Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. Today's film is Trainwreck, starring Amy Schumer, directed by Judd Apatow. Just a heads up, we'll be talking about Trainwreck with spoilers in mind. Girls, your mother and I are getting divorced. Monogamy isn't realistic. Monogamy isn't realistic. Again. Monogamy isn't realistic. I didn't understand that word at the time. But now, I know exactly what he was talking about. Saturday, I would love it if you were my date. I can't do that because, like, you and I won't ever see each other again. I wake up late every morning, money just cooling, I'm still yawning. Good morning. Oh, Amy. What happened? The church let out early? Ooh, I like Tom's sweater. Does he teach computer in a church basement? Don't get all threatened just because you don't understand the concept of marriage. You dress him like that so nobody else wants to have sex with him? That's cool. Hey! I'm just a modern chick who does what she wants. Last week, it was this guy. Is that wine in the box? Hey, Mark Wahlberg, shut up. Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg's like 150 pounds. I look like Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. Before you judge, you should know I'm doing fine. My friends are awesome, my apartment's sick, and I have a great job at a men's magazine. I like you, Amy. You're clever, but you're not too brainy. You're pretty-ish, and you're not gorgeous. You're approachable. Thank you. Yeah. I'm giving you an assignment. I need a profile on a sports doctor. So you're doing the article on me? Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. We watching Downton Abbey later? LeBron, I'm being interviewed. Listen, I'm watching it tonight because I'm not going to go to practice and all the guys are talking about it and I'm left out. Tall. Do you follow sports? Sports. I love them. Who's your favorite team? The Orlando Blooms. Do you want to get a drink? Yeah. Lloyd, uh, I think they've done a great job marketing this film. For me... Amy, Amy Schumer is on the cover of all magazines. She hosted the MTV Movie Awards. Uh, she's on every talk show. She's on every radio show. She's saturating the media. And they're getting us with advanced screenings as well, which is how we've watched this film. It came out a week earlier than expected. Supposedly, so word of mouth can uh, spread about it. We went to see Trainwreck. What did you think? Did you have a packed audience when you saw it? I did, but the uh, the movie theater I went to see it at, a packed audience was about 60 people because it was a kind of an intimate cinema, yeah. Yeah, okay, small screening. So it was full, but still not a huge number. How about yourself? Yeah, I had a decent-sized audience um, for my one. I saw it on a Sunday day, so probably not the best time to see it. I think the best time to see a movie like this would be a Friday night or a Saturday night. Of course. So Judd Apatow, let's let's just quickly get into his back catalogue. 40-year-old virgin, knocked up, really good stuff. Funny people, this is 40, which was the latest offerings, not so good. This is 40, have you seen that one, Lloyd? Uh, well, I, I find Judd Apatow, he's such a huge presence in the comedy world, and he's like reinvented and created sub-genres of the comedy genre. Like he's 
Uh, he's such a beast of a producer as well, but he's only directed five movies, as, as you've just listed there, which I was shocked at, like, because I always hear his name. When, when yeah, it's Apatow Productions, you know, it's it's the Anchorman effect. Exactly. Um, but And then I was looking back at his catalogue, and, yeah, it's only five movies. I, I think his real strength is producing. I actually don't think he's a good director at all. I, I really struggle to get through his movies. Like, he brings a lot of heart to his films, which is more than what I can say for most, for a lot of movies. Um, but his pacing is so terrible. Like, he has no idea when to cut a scene. It just gets to a point where it becomes painful. Like, there is a scene in Trainwreck with a cameo with Matthew Broderick and a few other um, sports stars that I don't know much about. I know know LeBron James, (laughs) but I don't know the other sports stars. My cinema, like every joke in that scene just failed. Like the movie audience I saw it with didn't laugh once. And it just became this long, drawn-out, painful scene just getting to these awful punchlines. That's what an ex- uh, a Judd Apatow movie is for me. It's just this awkwardness, just trying to get through it. Like, it's so long. His movies are so long by about 40, 50 minutes. Like, I love Anchorman and all that, but at least those directors had the discipline to cut it down. I don't think, because Judd, Judd Apatow calls all the shots, I think he, he just wants to put everything he's filmed onto screen, and it's so hard for him to cut it down. Like, I really do believe if they're going to release this on DVD or Blu-ray, they're going to have, uh, I don't know, two hours, two more hours of um, scenes that he had to put on the cutting room floor. So um, what you're seeing in these movies are just really overlong sequences, I think. It's true. This is 40 if you haven't seen it. It goes on for far too long and every scene feels like it could be cut down. And uh, yeah, it just drags out the entire movie. Judd Apatow has been good for producing, I agree. In his work, too, I mean, he's a producer on Girls, which helped launch Lena Dunham's career. He seems to find uh, strong females, you know, which is an interesting trait. Like, he's, I don't know, finding funny people. He's finding interesting projects. But he is finding people and then just kind of working, workshopping their own work. So Amy Schumer's stuff seems to be, you know, from her life and her father was in a wheelchair i assume he's still alive i haven't heard that he died he obviously dies in the movie spoilers you all know but as well i'm guessing all the monogamy isn't realistic stuff and you know her from her own life um i'm assuming most of that is real there's a stand-up clip as well where she retells a story on stage and it's almost exactly the story uh from the baby shower in this film and the punchline is different like it's different for the film i'm guessing all the punchlines were improvised there's some featurettes you can see on youtube about this film and i honestly thought there was going to be a blooper reel at the end of this movie it felt like the kind of movie that needed one it didn't get it and are there usually blooper reels in judd apatow movies like the yeah i mean anchorman anchorman had one if I'm remembering correctly, Knocked Up or The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I'm remembering blooper reels. It just felt like the kind of movie where, <clears throat> excuse me, you uh, you want to be laughing on the way out. I don't know, no blooper reel. Anyway, there's lots of deleted scenes and bloopers and stuff you can find on YouTube, uh, featurettes for Trainwreck, but... That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, like none of it was in the film. <clears throat> I would have enjoyed that, actually, like having 
a blooper reel at the end. It felt like the kind of fun romantic comedy thing to do at the end, you know, show how much fun the actors had making the movie. Maybe they didn't have that much fun. I don't know. Well, Amy Schumer uh, wrote this story, and as you said, it's a very personal story. I think she is a super talented comedian with a very sharp intelligence, and I think Apatow really challenged her in this movie, going from her bread and butter of comedy and then pushing into the harsh complexities of, like, you know... um, New York upper class relationships I guess because this I'm not too sure like I usually judge how wealthy the characters are in the movie from their houses but because it's set in New York everyone lives in apartments I'm assuming they're very wealthy people especially the doctor and I think she's like upper middle class maybe because uh, she has an apartment in the city so I'm not too sure and then um, most movie characters do I suppose it would be a sad story to see them living out of a dumpster (laughs) um well especially with her sister and the relationship she has with the guy they have a very beautiful house and I'm assuming that's in new york so they're a very upper middle class sort of um situation here um and she did grow up wealthy up until nine i think i read on a wikipedia i'd I'd have to look into it a lot more and apatow also throws her into the direction of loss and i think that's heavily in the funeral scenes like she really has great drama there where she uh you know it's the reason it's so effective and i read reviews of people actually crying in this movie is because apatow allows um Schumer to show off her reaction and how much she loved her father and how much she misses him and everything like that it just really melts the hearts of um audiences so it's a really interesting showcase of Amy Schumer's um abilities I think yeah but it did head into drama more than comedy in large sections so you got a a decent break from the comedy but the way they're selling it is obviously laugh a minute the whole thing is funny but uh, there is a an actual story in there. Do you think people were shocked to see such a uh, such heavy-handed drama? Well, I think, like you say with Judd Apatow, he lingers in every scene, and I think the effectiveness of those were killed a little bit by how long they were. He sort of stayed with it for too long and gave me time to think about it all. An example is that the father didn't really get any redemption. Uh, they were digging through all of his stuff, you know, found his snow globes and everything. Couldn't they have found something that said that he really did love the mum or something that showed that he loved the girls or something redeeming? Like you're going through all his belongings. He's got Mets stuff and whatever, and they don't like their dad. That's fine. You know, he's screwed up their childhood and uh, tried to push his own values on them. And that sort of thing that's fine but i sort of thought the film was lacking in that he dies and then at the funeral all they can say is he was shitty and that he was an asshole to all of you and that's fine because he was still one of my favorite people so it sort of felt like i was waiting for the bit where he was redeemed you know he didn't even get to kind of say to bill Hader's character you know you're good for my daughter or anything you know well, I, I, was... I still kind of like the last scene where you see of him, like he's telling her, like, he's just setting you up for the big fall. Like, there's this really tough love with him that he just, that's the way he is. He always just says says it like it is or says what he thinks it's going to be. There's no there's no um, two ways around him. He's just going to always play it straight and what he thinks. And I think that's just his character and they love him for that, I guess. But uh, I don't understand 
because he she does say at the funeral he actually really do, did love our mother i never got that i only got no. that yeah so I, I there must have been there's so many scenes in the trailers and there's so many trailers for this movie that aren't in this movie at all so i'm assuming there's a lot more to this that was on the cutting room floor but yeah i i did i didn't quite understand what uh, the relationship was between him and the mother other than the big opening scene which was really brilliant where he's going um monogamy yeah yeah monogamy doesn't work (laughs) yeah which is not really when you go to see a movie with your wife you don't want to start a movie with monogamy isn't realistic (laughs) but um you mentioned the cutting room floor there is a scene that show it's shown in all the trailers where bill Hader is uh riding a horse and carriage and she's in the back and in one of the featurettes i watched which was just youtube bill Hader's playing basketball against lebron which we'll get to and he says you know she made me steal a horse and carriage but she's awesome sort of thing right like he's just talking about his girlfriend and so that scene must have been as kind of part of the montage of them dating and getting to know each other and i'm imagining that was his dare then versus her dare which was i'm assuming blowing him on the bench near the bridge there um so it was sort of a that that scene probably worked better with both dares you know um whereas you just get her voiceover that says hey that wasn't my idea it was a dare or whatever which doesn't play as well probably I like it how Amy Schumer isn't super attractive. Usually in romantic comedies, the people that are cast in them are so ridiculously good-looking, it becomes impossible to believe that they could ever struggle in finding a relationship, like finding love. And at the centre of the movie, your main characters, other than Brie Larson, I think is very pretty, um, they all look pretty average, like pretty relatable people. Uh, I think the situations aren't definitely they're not relatable uh, I don't think anyway but the um the people that are cast in them are, are, at least they're not all Matthew McConaughey's or you know super good looking like Ava Mendes you know <laughs> yeah it's interesting because they did take that Matthew McConaughey Kate Hudson how to lose a guy in 10 days kind of I'm writing an article about you kind of thing with a couple of cues from that you know the whole sort of time i was thinking is she still writing this article like yeah how long has time passed like was she given three months on the project i have no idea like i think it's a monthly magazine i would have thought she'd have a month but anyway what really bugged me was at the funeral scene she was clearly with bill Hader. like they were holding hands and they were you know sitting in the front and he was comforting her and it was very he's her boyfriend you know but tilda swinton's character like two scenes from then is showing the photo shoot he did where he's standing with the two naked men either side in the locker room and she's like you know you wouldn't i wouldn't fuck him with your dick and stuff you know and she's you know riffing about how ugly he is right but she should know from the funeral that they're together but she doesn't kind of know that they're together i mean i have a problem with any of the workmates being at the funeral because none of them knew him and I know they're just there being supportive, but it feels like they kind of have a magazine to run. Like, I didn't think any of them should be there. And they didn't add anything to the scenes. She had that one line where she said, this makes me wish they'd found my father's remains, which didn't play in my cinema. I don't know if it played in yours. Yeah, no, I think people were struggling to hear what she said. They were like, what did she say? What? You know, yeah. So anyway, I, I was sort of annoyed that, like, if her character was drunk at that scene or something 
then maybe that would have worked. But she knows that Amy Schumer's character is dating Bill Hader's character at that point. And then she's like, yeah, the story's dead. You're not that into it, you know, and look how ugly he is. And she's just kind of inconsiderate, but she should know, you know, that they're together. I mean, she should have acknowledged it. She should have said, look, I know you're dating him or whatever, but she never does. Anyway, that bugged me. So the biggest thing that stood out for me in this movie was like the continuity and stuff like that. Well, I I just found this film pretty conventional. Like Amy Schumer's comedy, it's all about criticizing conventions of middle-class America, and especially that scene you mentioned where she talks to her sister's friends. And that's just a perfect example of Amy Schumer's comedy. She just pays that out, that conventional lifestyle, so much. Yet at the end of this movie, she realizes that it's actually the road to happiness, like settling down with a guy and falling in love and all that. So I uh, I feel in the end, despite it trying to be you know, Sonic Girls, Amy Schumer, it becomes a very conventional romantic comedy anyway. Yeah, I read that too. Um, I kind of thought, like Judd Apatow says, that the film is, is about what does this type of person do when they meet the right person and they are not really emotionally ready for it? Whereas I kind of watch it and I think, like, at some stage, the actions she's taking when you hit a certain age... It's not cute anymore. Through your 20s, maybe hooking up with people and, like, you know, figuring out who you are and what you like and all that sort of stuff is more acceptable. And then into your 30s and, you know, I'm not sure how old Amy Schumer is. I don't want to say into your 40s. I don't think she's 40s. No, I think she's early 30s. Yeah, so in her 30s. And at some some age and some stage, this isn't cute anymore. And maybe though she can still meet guys and hook up with them, like it's a bit more meaningless and she's uh she's as she says in the movie she says i'm broken you know the whole sequence where she she cleans herself up you know she gets gets rid of the booze and gives the box to the the bum on the street um was almost exactly like a scene from knocked up where seth rogan decides to stop smoking weed and uh clean himself up and i've seen the film compared to like knocked up but with a chick I actually only got 20 minutes into Knocked Up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's similar to this, I guess. (laughs) Some people have compared this film to lots of different stuff, but I was watching... uh, I watched about 20 of of the skits from Inside Amy Schumer because Comedy Central's put them all on YouTube, and I think it's like another one of those market saturation things, you know, in the lead-up to this film and lots of other things being released. I don't know why you would buy Inside Amy Schumer because it's all on YouTube. So I watched about 20 of them and their uh, premise leading into like a dirty punchline, pretty much, which seems to be her style. So, you know, she'll say the C word or something at the end. And I mean, I'm not laughing out loud. I can appreciate that people would find some of this funny, but um, I don't think it's really for me, which, you know, I mean, I think I got suckered into the whole train wreck thing too, though. You see her being the great... Uh, it girl and like flash in the pan and like instant marketing success you know and she's on all these covers and everything i was like all right that looks pretty funny Chad apatow he's got some films behind him yeah i'll go <laughs> yeah well i th- i think um after this project she's I-, I think a lot of comedians have transitioned really well into 
strong, heavy, dramatic roles. And the biggest example I give over and over again is Robin Williams. And I think Amy Schumer has shown a great variety. Like, her main weapon is, of course, comedy, which she's great. She... Uh, I haven't, like, even the slapstick part at the very end, where she jumps on the trampoline and she doesn't make it anywhere, she's great. It might have even been a stunt double, but her reaction afterwards, fantastic. She's got a very um, particular style of comedy, which she's, you know, got down really well. But her drama in this is what I was really impressed with, especially how she lashes out at her sister and then at her boyfriend um, after the funeral. Like, um, she's just, she, there's a very nasty side and a very dark side to her and a very self-destructive side. And I, I think she's, uh, she's going to be a very promising, um, career after this movie. Uh, I don't know if she's got more stories to tell because this seems to be like, oh, this is a major movie. I'm going to go all in and put in as yeah. much personal stuff as much as possible. This might be her, her major script that, you know, that em- encompasses everything that she really has deep in her heart. Um, but I, what I'd like to see, uh, you know, is cast not uh, as just a supportive role, but just as a, you know, a, a very strong, heavy, dramatic role. I think she could pull it off really well. See, for romantic comedies, mostly you see uh, female leads come from like a supporting actress place first. Uh, like Zoe Deschanel would be the friend in a movie, for example, as she's sort of building her career and her portfolio and. They've skipped all the steps here, you know, like you're not the supportive friend in a movie and then the leading romantic girl, you know, the love interest. They've just kind of thrown her straight into the biggest part. Uh, And as you say, I too am wondering if she's got anything else in her, like writing wise, because this is a very personal story. I'm wondering if she's kind of a one trick pony. I'll say it that way. I I can see that. I I still think she's like she can always rely on a comedy i think she'll always be relevant in that sort of area and she'll have her own tv show i guess you know be a heavy in that sort of arena in movies i think um in a dramatic role she could be a heavy but not the star i don't know if too many people are going to see oh here's another amy schumer movie you know like um yeah it's it's tough to say at the moment like we'll have to see how well Trainwreck goes in the next um few months I feel like Amy Schumer's fans want to see comedy. They don't want yeah. to see drama. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think Amy Schumer fans are going to be disappointed going into this and seeing such a conventional movie at the end. They're just like, oh, okay, it's just, you know, typical romantic comedy, but at the same time, it's great seeing her on the big screen. And then people who wanted to see a romantic comedy, I think are going to be put off by some of the extremities of some of the comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, it is an Apatow movie. Everyone's seen The 40-Year-Old Virgin and people really embrace that um, with open arms and there were extreme scenes in that. So I think Apatow has really opened up that level of comedy to mainstream audiences. Every time I see a film like this that has, I'm not going to say exactly what the jokes and stuff are, but, you know, heavy language and stuff i always think how much would this be edited for tv or on a plane (laughs) yeah you know and like you won't even be really watching the film that they intended to show you you're gonna have to you know buy it on itunes or get the extra long unrated cut or whatever geez that annoys me dave like how they release movies it's just becoming commonplace now they release movies for the cinema theatrical release and now it's just become like almost normal to release oh here's the director's cut on blu-ray or dvd it's just like well what did i pay 20 dollars to go and see you know what i mean like mm. i got to see a completely different film now i don't know that that annoys me 
Well, that's what they did with Butterfly Effect. It was a different version uh, in cinemas, and then the DVD release was different. They had like a director's cut as well as the theatrical cut because one was much darker in terms of an ending. All right, Lloyd, you, you're being cast in a film. You're the lead. You're essentially the Bill Hader character here. You know, you've seen both of them act. Do you want John Cena or LeBron James as your friend? <laughs> I thought John Cena was fantastic. He's the wrestler, yeah, from WWE? Ah, uh, yes. He, he, was, he was fantastic. Like, everyone would go and see this and say, oh, that's just the muscle brain moron. You know, but he does have a, a few dimensions more. He doesn't say two or three lines. He actually has a lot more lines, and he has to play a real sensitive side to him. And that's really hard to, to pull off from that type of alpha male character. And I thought he did it really well. Like, he looked really hurt. Like, he goes, should I be worried about you with other guys? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, fuck you, Amy. You're not a nice girl. And then he leaves. Like, that that was really well done. I think he's fantastic. Le- LeBron James had some great lines. He was funny. But it, he ran out of steam really quick. And I don't know if, it, if it's the case that Apatow lingers on for scenes for too long maybe goes overboard putting him in like especially in that Matthew Broderick scene like he just got sick I I just got sick of LeBron James at that point I'm just like ah yeah I get it he's funny you know (laughs) I was trying to figure out why Matthew Broderick was in that scene besides (laughs) like you know his agent got him the part and I was thinking is he like the co-owner of a sports team or something and I genuinely don't know why he was in that scene that's the problem when you have cameos like that they just become so distracting because you're thinking oh isn't that Matthew Broderick why is he and you're not paying attention to the words because you're just like wow that's Matthew Broderick (laughs) and I mean the I don't know the gentleman's name but he's the announcer uh, who was commentating the entire interaction I hear him all the time as well I don't know his name yeah but he was saying like Matthew Broderick's finest work finest acting since uh, what was it this is going to annoy me. People are going to be Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No. no, the one where... War Games. Oh, yeah, he did say that, yeah. Best acting since War Games, which is obviously years and years ago. Yeah, and so he's just kind of ripping into Matthew Broderick. Maybe he was just there to be a punchline. Look, for me, I noticed LeBron's acting a lot, which took me out of the movie. And I was happy enough for him to be there. It's nice to see him try and be on the big screen, but... Can you imagine Australian actors if we put them in movies? Like with no acting training or anything? I don't think... Like, I mean, just put Warney in a movie. You know? (laughs) It doesn't seem to fit. This is something that only the States can do. You know, they do it with um, uh, Ronda Rousey. Yep, in uh, Entourage and uh, Fast and Furious 7. Both reviewed on this podcast and... Like, in both situations, it's like, well, she is a UFC fighter, not an actress, but she sort of gets away with it a bit more. I mean, I don't know LeBron, I don't know if he did any acting training or anything for this. You do see some of the scenes in those featurettes on YouTube where Judd Apatow's yelling things out, like, he's just yelling things out for them to say, and that's kind of what they did in Anchorman as well, like, he'll just throw out suggestions and let them riff and improvise. Which, it can work, it can not work. Yeah, well, I I think a lot of lines, like the crowd I had, laughed a lot of times with LeBron James. But again, I think Apatow um, just overused him a bit too much. He should have cut Mm. him down a little bit more to make him more effective. Because I'm going to use that word again, which I used heaps in our last podcast. It was, it diluted his effectiveness (laughs) a lot, like towards the end. 
Um, yeah, but uh, he, he did work. Like, I laughed at the Downton Abbey bit. I thought that was really funny. And then I laughed when he sat down next to Amy Schumer. He's going, don't you hurt him? <laughs> you know, that, that was really great. And that mean look he gives her. And then he's um, quoting Kanye West. You know, that was the highlight for me. Yeah, that, that, that was really good. He's just like, no, everything you're saying Goldiger. doesn't apply to, to my relationship, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a basketball analogy? Yeah. Whereas John Cena, you get that one joke about him where she says it's like fucking an ice yeah. sculpture. <laughs> um, and then when he's walking away, you like know, this sad, incredible You know, when I saw you from Hulk. behind, you look like a boy. Oh. <laughs> yes. And there were scenes where, on the featurette I saw where John Cena's saying different stuff, you know, and it's all sort of blooper worthy. Yeah, where he's, you know, he's talking about himself and that's what makes him come. How his workout and how many reps he did and stuff. Like, that's what he's really into. Yeah, look, for me as well, there's enough John Cena in the film that it's more sort of uh, hilarious, I suppose. Le- LeBron was overused. Exactly, was, yeah. Oh. But... How much was John Cena dying to get out of his jean shorts and show everyone his butt in this? (laughs) That's, like, he's all thighs. Uh, Your brother's a bodybuilder. Is that the kind of shape he's going to try and get into? Is that... (laughs) He's an ice sculpture, man. (laughs) Don't forget to rehydrate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that seems like stunt casting, though. You want to get butts in seats. So you're trying to get a WWE wrestling audience and tell them, oh yeah, if you watch this movie, you will see John Cena's butt, or John Cena's naked in his sex scene, or whatever. I feel like that's like butts in seats. And this this film has a $35 million budget, which is modest, you know, and it's already made its money back. So already it's a success, and advanced screenings have done that. You know, it hasn't officially been released here yet. It is released in the States, but uh, here in Australia, it's coming out like um, Thursday. And we're recording this episode just before then, I think it'll be released after the opening weekend to so give everyone a chance to watch it. But uh, yeah, like it's a success, Lloyd. It's a hit. Yeah. Uh, do you think it'll be a big hit internationally or just with, you know, like the Americas, the UK and Australia? Well, that $35 million budget doesn't include marketing, which must be $100 million. Oh, yeah. You know, they're flying everyone around. Everyone's on everything. I guess it is. It is. It's the kind of film that is ultimately very forgettable. It's they're trying to get everyone's money right now, and then the DVD will have lots of unrated whatever, and that's the end of it. What, what's your favorite Judd Apatow movie? Probably Knocked Up. Wow. Okay. Yep. Have you seen? And you've um, seen all of them, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Funny People is not like the title suggests. It becomes very dramatic. Uh, the forty-year-old virgin is like funny all the way through everyone can relate to it you know um knocked up is then the film that makes seth rogan a star uh funny people seth rogan and adam sandler but it's far too serious this is 40 takes two characters from um you know previous film and puts them in a very unfunny marriage situation he does this thing judd apatow where he casts young people and old people which is, you know, it's real, it's life. He puts little kids and he puts elderly people in his films and it's hit and miss, you know. I don't know if you can populate your films with people and if it's a comedy, unless it's funny. Um, I think ultimately he should be aiming for humour and not, you know, stunt casting or whatever. 
it's as you say it becomes more of a marketing strategy than as a dramatic strategy because if you're gonna have those big cameos it distracts from the drama and it's more to get butts in seats sort of like entourage but in in a way it works for entourage because that's the environment that the movie's set in you know it does seem a bit shoehorned in in a few of apatow movies I've only seen one, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. My reaction, I loved it when I first saw it. And then I rented it again. Oh, we got to check this out. We watched it again. And it was so long. Like, you know, the few jokes. There were only like five or six jokes really in there that made me laugh hard. And that, like, begs the question, is it worth spending $20 on a movie to get five or six laughs out of it? Like, you hear people go, oh, yeah, there's a few laughs in that movie. Is that worth $20? To me, that's a hell no. But to, I think, people who want to have fun on a Friday night or a Saturday night, I think this movie is one of the best you can see with a big crowd because you're laughing, you know, that whole way um, through it. So it'll be a good, funny experience. But, uh, yeah, my personal favorite Apatow movies are none of the ones that he's directed, but the ones he's (laughs) produced, Cable Guy, Anchorman, the first one, and Talladega Nights. I absolutely love those movies. And the thing about those is, and Anchorman especially, is they're quotable. For me, Trainwreck is like chewing gum, and you enjoy it for a bit, and then either the flavor goes or you leave the cinema, and it's, it's done. You know, it's disposable. I read some reviews where people were saying they would have rather watched the Daniel Radcliffe, Marissa Tomei <laughs> oh, no, dog that's... walker movie, <laughs> which looks terrible, but I think that's the point. Like, that's the joke, is that it's this art film that's weird. And um, apparently there were pictures in like women's magazines and stuff like photos of daniel radcliffe walking all those dogs and people were like oh yeah he's shooting this new movie (laughs) and like you know people didn't know what the hell that was i like how much heart uh, apatow tries to put in in, interject in his movies i've only seen really two train wreck and um a uh, 40-year-old virgin but just from those two examples he tries to have so much heart in his movie so i got to admire him for that um he just needs to hire an editor who who just tells him like it is no we need to cut this this is just awful you know because i know his his background is a producer he's a heavy he owns that productions as you say apatow productions so he is the big dog in this and he calls the shots but you got to have that person that third eye that just tells you like it is you got to cut certain scenes because a lot of the drama just was not effective a lot of the punchlines just wasn't effective and you become exhausted like hitting that two hour mark like there was a point in the movie in the third act where my audience didn't laugh at all until where she jumps on the trampoline and and just fails and that slapstick you know but the whole scene where she's dancing um you know it just all became hokey and just exhausting you're just like oh just please end (laughs) yeah it was like the uptown girl callback where bill haters likes that song and therefore she includes it in the routine at the end it's exactly like what they do in bring it on he has a song he likes or has written and she includes it in their routine so it's like a nod to say i know you well kind of you know here's our personal thing but that surgery where he's performing uptown girl uh like you're listening to it the surgery would have taken hours i don't know why she would have focused on just that one song like why do you listen to uptown girl because he would have been listening to a hundred songs like during the surgery if you think about it unless he was listening to uptown girl non-stop on repeat he probably Look, was <laughs> i was thinking about something when i was watching the film it's a story of a reporter 
who's interviewing her subject and falls in love with him and they get together. And that's the Kevin Smith story. Director Kevin Smith was interviewed by his future wife, Jen Schwabach, and that's how they met. And they got married, they had a baby, you know, it all worked out for them. I wonder if he watches this and he goes, ah, oh, it's so real, like, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a real story for him. Tilda Swinton kind of trying to steal all the scenes. There was enough of her playing a British boss. I think she was channeling Russell Brand a little bit. <laughs> yeah, she was very unrecognizable in this movie. Yeah, I, I felt like the magazine scenes didn't work and that I kept waiting for somebody to turn up. I wanted to see like a love interest, um, like, a, like a subplot with a love story between a couple of the people that work there. I'm, I'm shocked people still buying magazines. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> This wasn't yeah. a web-based, you know, sort of publication. Yeah, it's true. It did have a very big office. Yeah, subplot with like a romance between two of the writers. Didn't care which. And the other thing I was looking for was a cameo, like another celebrity cameo. Like, here's James Franco, he's on the cover this month. Or here's so-and-so, he's on the... Ryan Philippe, they mention him... Philippe, I think it is. They mention him by name, but then you don't see him. You could have easily had someone famous come in and be like, hey, I'm here for my photo shoot for the cover or something. Another opportunity for some comedy and stunt casting, but they, they didn't go for it, so... What got what got the biggest laughs in your, your cinema? Probably John Cena. Okay, yeah. Uh, like a few things he said where he was doing all the like, you know what I do to assholes, I lick them. Like all the stuff which was gay and like, we'll make a video, you know, we'll make a movie. And like he was insinuating like that he was going to hook up with the, the guy. Everyone was like laughing at all that stuff. Did they find when she slept with the 16-year-old intern, did anyone laugh at that scene? silence silence wow yeah was that funny on yours no for a lot of the people it wasn't but there were a couple of people whose laughs were very prominent and they were laughing so hard that i got to admit when he puts the ederol on her on her forehead and he sniffs the ederol and she goes okay uh, that's interesting (laughs) you know i I found that really funny but other than that like uh, when he's asking her hit me hit me and then he punches her and he's screaming mom you hit me in the eye i didn't find any of that funny I found it all very strange. I didn't realise until afterwards that that's the kid from We Need to Talk About Kevin. We were wondering as well if that was actually just cocaine, and he just said that. Like, he just said it was his medication. Because <laughs> it wasn't really clear. I don't know. That was, like, a really odd scene. Like, that was her hitting rock bottom, you know? But it's such a strange rock bottom, and then she gets fired, of course. And that's when she realises she's broken and has to change things. Like, I don't know. I'm... I feel like maybe more of a public humiliation for her. Sure. Like a Christmas party situation or something where she did something stupid at work. It's strange how much Bill Hader's character lets her get away with, too. It feels like he should at some point be like, this isn't the way people behave. Like, you know, he's getting his award and she walks out for a phone call. She slept with lots of people. It does bother him. We never quite get a number on that. There's some debate online as to whether or not uh, she sort of rapes him the first time they sleep together as well, Lloyd. I, I don't. I didn't think that was rape. I just think she was more aggressively initiating, um, you know, the sexuality. Uh, I didn't think that was rape at all. Fair call. The other part of the debate is whether or not they should have been using protection. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then, like, you know... Oh, please, that's a woman's job. <laughs> that's, a, that's a line from Mad TV. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, like, uh, she's saying she's been with all these people, I guess, if 
you think about it, if she's not using protection with all these people, yeah. not saying she has a disease, but this is how to get one. Yeah, the implication is she has condoms, like bowls of condoms everywhere in her apartment. But yeah. the first time they have sex, I'm not sure if um, they... No. Yeah. Well, it's, it happens yeah. if you see it on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly they're doing it. Yeah, so uh, the in the argument I was reading, people were saying, you know, flip the genders... If a dude does that, like, gets a girl drunk and then forces himself on her aggressively, you know, that it's less consensual. That, but that's a really good point, yeah. Yeah, I suppose most of the male characters in this seem like pretty normal good guys, you know. it It is interesting, like you say, that it's sort of becomes a stereotypical, conventional movie, doesn't it? Like, like it's it's got interesting elements. Like the best friend is instead of just casting an actor, they cast LeBron James. You know, and they ha- literally yeah. have it. So there's interesting little um, twists they do to those conventional characters. But in the end, it's not enough to make it stand out. I don't think. I I just think Trainwreck overall is you know just sort of um, disappears into all the other romantic comedies. But maybe a more extreme one. Maybe definitely not one to watch with your grandma. But, um, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, I enjoyed it enough, but it, it was, there was big parts of it where no laughs were had. Um, I think it was ultimately very forgettable. Uh, however, I also thought, like, after I Kissed a Girl came out, Katy Perry was going to be a one-hit wonder. So I was pretty sure that was, like, you know, such a novelty song <laughs> that she wouldn't have had another hit. Uh, so I've been like proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've been proven very wrong with that. So if Amy Schumer turns into be, you know, some kind of like, uh, you know, A-lister and she's doing dramas and comedies and everything, and you're right, Lloyd, then I'm willing to bite the bullet. At this stage, though, you don't think I so. kind of feel like she won't be the lead in a movie, or if she is, it won't be that great. I feel like she'll go back to doing Inside Amy Schumer, her program, and then... That's kind of where she'll live. That, that's a peak. This, this is a peak, pretty much. Well, I feel like you you can't saturate the media more than she is now. And it's not... Like, they did the same thing for the 40-year-old virgin. Like, Steve Carell was everywhere. Everyone was talking about the movie, saying it was a big hit, comedically hilarious. And it was everything. It was everywhere. But then they backed that up with everybody enjoying the movie, agreeing that it was a big hit... And then Steve Carell continuing to do good work in both comedy and drama. Yeah, and it was critically more universally acclaimed. Uh, uh, just from listening to you, I haven't read too many reviews, but just hearing your research, uh, not, a, a lot of people didn't like this movie. Agreed. Yeah. And, I mean, nobody's... People are trying to use the word train wreck like this film is a train wreck, but it it isn't really... It's just got things that don't quite work. The pieces don't fit together. You're looking at a dodgy puzzle. I did think it was interesting that, like, Amy Schumer didn't ever really not go topless, like, um, even appear to ever be topless. Like, you know, they could have shot it like, you know, she takes off her top and you just see her shoulders kind of thing. There was never anything for all its raunch. She always wore a bra or a top or something in every scene. Yeah, she do- doesn't seem like she's very comfortable to to do that, to go to that extreme. That's the sense I got in this movie, which was fine with me. I think uh, it's um, original now to not go in that direction, to show nudity, to show... Like, I think uh, 
Judd Jud Apatow says he wants to have a male penis in every single one of his movies. Just, just to put it out there, I think he's matured a bit more now and he's just not going to go in that direction. Or if there is, it's probably on the cutting room floor. But um, a- Amy Schumer just doesn't strike me as a person who's comfortable to go that far what um, Judd Apatow is typically. Did Kat- Heigl um, go that far in Knocked Up? Oh, no. no okay, um, sure. I think the same thing from what I remember. Like, But she's pregnant in the scenes. Oh, I see. They do attempt to show... Like, in a, you know, it's not her or whatever, but they do attempt to show the head crowning at one point during the birth scene, which is probably the most full-on moment of the film. But yeah, I just suppose, like, she's supposed to be this kind of super comfortable with her body, wearing short skirts, and like, you know, there was never really implied nudity, which is interesting. That's not really her form of comedy and stuff. But this is the thing, too, like, it's a mas- massive limelight that's now shone upon her like i didn't know who amy schumer was before she was hosting the mtv i only knew her from being interviewed on uh the joe rogan podcast or fantastic podcast by the way i don't want you to put our audience away from ours (laughs) but a fantastic podcast and she sounds like a very very intelligent very nice person i mean people can listen to both podcasts (laughs) i only just heard that Shaq has a podcast oh really well news to me as well like (laughs) I don't know what that would be like, but yeah, one of the inside um, Amy Schumer skits I watched, she goes, how many of you have podcasts? And they, everybody raises their hands. And then one guy goes, we all have two. <laughs> <laughs> so look, if you're listening, we appreciate it. Next time on our little podcast, we're going to talk about Beetlejuice. And the reason we're talking about Beetlejuice is Lloyd's never seen it. Believe it or not, people, I have not seen Beetlejuice, and I'm a huge fan of Tim Burton, yeah, the early Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, last thing we did was Dark Shadows, so you can find that podcast if you're interested in the meantime at our website, which is podmeifyoucan.com. You can find us in iTunes. You can find a link to our YouTube channel. We review obscure movies with famous stars in them, mostly the films you've never heard of, though. So we'll cover off on the film Lloyd's never seen which is Beetlejuice and then we'll follow it up with a film I've never seen which is Tron we'll get into why we've never seen them we'll get into our first impressions of them uh, we've done this before Goonies for me I can't remember what it was for you Lloyd uh, Grease I think it was Grease of course it was Grease something we do occasionally and kind of uh, back catalogue feeling you know like those classic films and those films that really lots of people have seen and just you know why we miss them really my childhood was probably different without Goonies, Lloyd. <laughs> Could have been a completely different person. Yeah, absolutely. Led you on a different path. If you guys have any suggestions, like you guys want us to do more films like that, just uh, leave a comment on Facebook or, or send us a message or on Twitter, and we'll, we'll we put our requests like right away at top of the list. We try to get to them as much as possible. Yeah, we've had some good ones in the past, and the bonus thing about um, suggesting something is if we choose your film we'll drop your name into the podcast we'll say so and so suggested this thanks heaps for your suggestion let's get into it you know and that kind of you can't buy that kind of popularity amongst your friends you'll be the coolest kid in school yeah i mean like everyone's gonna be so jealous (laughs) your life will change you will be the new amy schumer you'll be the it girl or boy of your neighborhood (laughs) lloyd always a pleasure talking train wreck gonna talk to you next time about beetlejuice and And we can't say it three times, but um, we'll get to that. (laughs) We'll get to that next time. All right, guys, uh, enjoy, subscribe. We'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Hold up. 
Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod me if you can. Movie reviews. 